0: The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it thanks for that Bronwyn so uh, let me just start who here would like a million dollars okay come on. come on come and get your million dollars I thought Susanna would beat you here it is one million dollar note now uh, there you go uh you can go back now I don't need you anymore might need to see you afterwards but I was really surprised when my friend Mark came back from holiday and gave me this note. To be honest, we weren't actually that close, and he never gave me the impression he had much money. In fact, his day-to-day work as a carpenter was a little bit sporadic, and he had a tendency to fall off tall buildings when he was doing some uh, carpentry work. So remember, when he came round to see us after this holiday, I was a bit taken back. Obviously, I was really, really pleased. I made my spending and investment plans. Clearly, after the giving review, there was a generous proportion to St. Joseph's, but surely there'd be enough over for a a really nice holiday. Maybe upgrade the car, and maybe even turn the thermostat up one or, or maybe two degrees. I started making a list. But then my wife, Dorothy, who, as you all know, is much, much wiser than me, brought me up short. You do realize this is a fake, don't you? Sorry, it's worthless. If you examine the small print, which when blown up is still very small, it even says it's a fake on the note. And she said, and anyway, in the US they don't have million dollar notes. I was crushed. Spending plans were up in smoke. I'd been valuing something that turned out to be completely worthless. But in contrast to that worthless tourist trinket, in our passage this morning, we come across the kingdom of heaven. And we have Jesus' direct teaching on its values. And unlike my fake million-dollar note, it's worth everything. But with that assessment of worth, there's also a question implied in these two parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. How much are we prepared to give up for the privilege of being part of God's eternal kingdom? But before we start looking at that, let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for the privilege of reading your word. Help me to explain it accurately, us all to understand what you are saying. And by your spirit's power, they've changed lives as a result. So I think that question, sorry, amen. So I think that question of the value of the kingdom of heaven will resonate differently with us. For some, you're just looking into Christian things, thinking, what would it cost to have Jesus as Lord of your life? What would have to change? What would other people think? While those of us who have turned to Christ already, already know some of the cost of that in our own experience. And wherever we are, and whatever stage of life, we're bound to ask, what am I prepared to give up to be a Christian? Why does the world around me oppose me? As Dave's already asked, why should we turn up on Sundays at church to take time, effort and money to be part of the fellowship here? Is it really worth it? And I think that's what Jesus is on about in these parables. So I've got two things to say. And the first is this. Being part of God's kingdom is definitely worth it. So those words from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I spend quite a lot of my time of my uh, day job looking at business cases for various big projects and investments, and assessing whether they're value for money or not, and then advising colleagues and governments whether it's a good use of public money. Now, it's fair to say we make this fairly complex, and it can be really difficult to get all of the information that can and should be included. There's even a whole book written to guide people through this process. But at its heart, it's simple, which is obviously just as well for people like me. It's about calculating the costs of something and then valuing the benefits. Comparing the two, we get something called a BCR or benefits cost ratio. And if it's good, we're able to recommend funding and things happen sometimes. Whether it's building a new bridge like the one behind me or supporting the modernization of Granger Market in town, which is hopefully coming later this year. That's kind of what this man has done. Although he wasn't looking for the treasure, by chance he's come across it. And he's recognized just how precious it is. He's looked at the costs of buying a field, then calculated the benefits. It's easy for him. He knows there will be huge benefits guaranteed if he buys a the field. There's no uncertainty. It's really, really worth it. Currently, he has little. Perhaps he's an itinerant worker living a hand-to-mouth existence. Barely able to get by, he's digging someone else's field, perhaps preparing for sowing, when suddenly turns up this pot, and discovers it's it's stuffed with more treasure than he could earn in a hundred lifetimes. So he hides it again, races home, and mortgages and sells everything he's got, raises money, borrows from his friends and family. In fact, he's probably doing everything that the cap money course tells you not to do. He raises every last penny that he can. He makes the owner of the field that irresistible offer. And the point of driving himself to that point of bankruptcy, because what he gains is infinitely more than what he pays for it. And Jesus tells us that in verse 44 the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's really, really worth it. Let's think about the benefits of that. To be in the kingdom of heaven means to have Jesus as your king, it means you've stopped living as if you were your own master. You've been forgiven for doing that through Jesus' death on the cross and you've begun a new life with Jesus as your king which is a relationship for now but also lasts through death and forever. So massive benefits for an infinite amount of time. Now is there a cost to that? Well of course there is. But the really great news for us is that the cost isn't primarily for us it's already been paid completely and utterly once for all the eternal Son of God coming to earth as a man facing rejection persecution and a cursed death all for us so that we can access this kingdom of heaven infinite benefits costs us of nothing a free gift of eternal life but don't get me wrong the fact that it is free to us doesn't mean that the Christian life is a bed of roses. These parables clearly say that that's not the case. On top of the normal worries of life that common to all and that Stephen's prayed about, we know that we will face trouble and persecution because we follow Jesus. And our sinful human nature will rail against the challenges of living a godly life. Our dulled consciousness will be newly exposed to lifestyles that don't conform to these kingdom values. But is it worth it? Well, in my experience, yes. But please don't just take my word for it. Examine it for yourselves. Find out what the kingdom of heaven is really like. It's the most important decision you can ever take. And like this laborer in Jesus' story, it's worth far more than what we've got now. The gain of being a Christian is infinitely more than the cost. We may lose the approval of some people in life, including some people whose opinion and approval matters a lot to us. But if we turn back a couple of uh, chapters in Matthew chapter 10 for a summary of what those future guarantees of being part of of God's kingdom is like, Jesus is talking here about the day of judgment, when we'll all meet him. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. On that day, we will not have any doubt that the gain of having Jesus' approval is infinitely more than the external cost of losing a little bit of human approval in this life. There are two pathways to be on. One is the Christian way, when we know we've been forgiven. We're forgiven for our past rejection of Jesus, and we're now seeking to live for him as our king all the way to heaven. We know there's a heaven beyond death because Jesus rose and died, rose from the dead to get back there. And that Christian way has discomforts and struggles with the external world and internal temptation but also the joy of living a life of purpose and true fulfillment that's one way the other way is to continue to reject jesus what we like naturally this means undoubtedly we can be comfortable with the external majority and comfortable with internal sin doing our own thing but that pathway is heading for judgment And as Jesus said, a life of separation from him. And in this world, there is limited meaning or purpose to life. It would be crazy to look at the surface cost of this life of having Jesus as king and forget the cost of eternity without him, of rejecting him. Yes, it is uncomfortable for the believer in this life, but there is no believer in heaven who will look back and say, I wish I'd rather had comfort in earth be in hell now the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field it's better although uncomfortable now and it's brilliant beyond death in sin-free bodies in a sin-free world when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field in one sense there was no cost to count it was perfectly obvious what the sensible thing to do Only a fool would have put the treasure back and said, I can't face the hassle of buying the field. The gain of being a Christian is infinitely, eternally more than the cost. So that's the first thing. Being part of God's kingdom is definitely worth it. The second point is very, very similar. Being part of God's kingdom is definitely worth it. And if we haven't got the point yet, Jesus makes it again. And when Jesus says something twice... It needs saying twice. So verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and uh, sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this time we need to picture a rich businessman. He's actively looking for pearls. Maybe for himself, maybe he's obsessive about art, maybe it's an investment to make money. Maybe he has a personal agenda of making lots of money to finance his dreams and ambitions. He's a man who knows what he wants in life, a man with ambitions and aims. Until one day he's stopped in his tracks by one thing. And that one thing replaces everything else in importance. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. He finds this one pearl and sells his whole collection, the whole business, to get it. All his carefully laid plans and ambitions go out the window, replaced by one thing. Unlike the first example where the laborer is, comes across this by chance, this merchant is actively looking for pearls. He understands that there are some things called pearls that have real value out there. And he wants to build this collection up. He's dedicated his life to this. And perhaps like, perhaps it's just me, but those Aussie gold hunters who come on TV, endure isolation, thirst flies dust, heat, poachers, thieves, sudden floods, and bushfire to track down those precious nuggets. But unlike those precious day, uh, those modern day gold hunters, we actually come across this million dollar nugget, like this welcome stranger nugget, found over 150 years ago by a couple of Cornish tin miners who travelled halfway across the world and dedicated years of effort to the search. If they hadn't had to break up, that 11 stone nugget to transport more easily, it would be an estimated 2.3 million pounds today. So perhaps in this parable, Jesus is hinting not just to the absolute value of the kingdom, but also how it compares to other kingdoms. Those other kingdoms could be the gods of wealth, power, sex, prestige, or the search for meaning through spiritual enlightenment and religion or just the pursuit of happiness and a carefree life. Now you may be still weighing up these Christian things, and if you are, it's great to have you with us. You're really welcome. Maybe one of the issues on your mind is, what would have to change? What would have to give up? Well, those kingdoms of religion, power, and wealth can be attractive. They fit well with our sinful human nature. But the point of this parable is that in having Jesus as king, Those pursuits fade into insignificance to the great and eternal prize of being part of God's kingdom. Yes, we will have to give up everything we previously valued. We'll need to sell up the right to run our own lives and live our own plans and ambitions and dreams and agendas. We move from saying, me first, my desires win, and instead send to Jesus, as we prayed earlier, your will be done, your kingdom come. From now on, I want to serve you, your plans and purposes. That's a cost which some people stumble. So we maybe go back to uh, just, a, just a page, to Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. The one who received that seed, the, the seed that fell among the thorns, is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Now, these worries of life may mean the many concerns we have. Many of them are legitimate, but some of them aren't so necessary. But concerns about the house or the children's education or pensions or holiday or retirement or standard of living or whatever it is, our ambitions, our agendas. And Matthew chapter 13, these parables here, verse 45 to 46, says that having Jesus as king replaces them all. At least it will, if we really understand who Jesus is. And that the only plan worth investing in is his plan to get the gospel to the world and bring people from all nations back into the church and ultimately heaven. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. There is a cost. Jesus doesn't overturn all our priorities. But that cost is insignificant. Who wants to invest in plans and things that ultimately won't last? The worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth, deceitful because it looks so solid and worthwhile. As someone who put it, many of us who are ultimately concerned with things that aren't ultimate. So how much are we prepared to pay for being Christian? Is the cost worth it? Well, that's only something that only you can answer. And you can only answer yes, if you're convinced about the benefits, that Jesus truly is God and King, that he died for us and rose for us and that heaven and hell are realities. Only if we see these things as they really are, we will see the costs in this life as they really are and be prepared to pay them. We will have to let go of things and sometimes people to have Jesus as King. They can seem very big. They can seem so worth holding on to. They can rob, rob us of joy of being a Christian. They can stop us from ever becoming a Christian. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The, eternal to, the alternative to this eternal kingdom is, perhaps summed up in those feature articles you sometimes get in the Sunday papers. One last week interviewed an ex-colleague of Lord Ashcroft, who was a self-made billionaire. He said, an old city friend sees an element of the same relentless drive that took him from maidenhead waiter to Belizean billionaire. Michael is always looking for heaven, he says. Heaven might have been with lots and lots of money and it wasn't there. It might have been with lots of women everywhere, and it wasn't there. And then he was looking for power, and he's still looking for heaven. It's always frustrating him. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The merchant and the laborer both made wise choices unlike Lord Ashcroft. Whether as a result of accidentally stumbling across the treasure or as part of a lifelong search for truth, they realised that the kingdom of heaven is definitely worth it. And will we who know this eternal truth commit to not just learning it for ourselves, but letting the world know of the value of this eternal kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that we can have access to this kingdom through what you have done, through your sacrifice for us. Lord, help us see that your kingdom of heaven is worth so much more than any minor sacrifices we have to give up in this life. Thank you for the reality of heaven and your promise that we can be with you and part of your kingdom, not just now, but forever. Amen.